Hello and welcome, good ladies and sirs. Please have no fears. For today is quite special, so kindly lend me your ears. While this is not what you might expect, you're in the right place. Yes, odd it may be, but there is no need to about-face. You are not at all in the wrong, you have made no mistakes. This really is a history of the United States. For it is an anniversary, a time to have fun. See, the years I have done this number, half of a dozen. Six whole years. I've been making podcasts for such a long time. There is nothing I could do other than burst into rhyme. I would need a great topic, somewhat related to ours, something not as close as John Smith, not as far as the Tsars. Then, what an idea I had. It would be ever so swell. If I could tell you the ballad of Oliver Cromwell. You might believe him a villain, or believe him benign, but to decide we must begin in 1599. Now the 25th of April was the date of his birth, born into a middling family of moderate worth. As a younger son, wealth his father Robert could not acquire, merely inheriting a small house in Huntingdonshire. In his boyhood, he attended Huntington Grammar School, with scant idea this was a land he was destined to rule. Go study, did he, at Sydney Sussex College, Cambridge. While spending time there, his bright mind could absorb much knowledge. It was a new school with strongly Puritan character, of such grand pedigree you could not be a detractor. It would not long last for Cromwell, his time there he cut short. With the death, his education, he was forced to abort. His father passed away, and your emotion this bestirs, as he looked after his mother and his seven sisters. In mid-1620, fair Elizabeth did he wed, I can't say much of their marriage, but I doubt it's a dread. Nine children they had, Robert, Bridget, Richard and Henry, then Oliver, Elizabeth, James Francis and Mary. As time passed, Oliver became drawn into politics. He wished to fight the good fight, not to be bogged down with tricks. As a Puritan, he deeply opposed Archbishop Lord. He wished for him to die, for him to be put to the sword. He went a step further, in 1640, he became a Member of Parliament, quite aptly. He was highly outspoken, always demanding reform, so therefore he was marginalised. This wasn't the norm. But before he was cut adrift, expelled and shown the door, in 1642 outbroke civil war. He was a capable organiser. He showed great skill. It's really quite difficult to bend men to your will. He was made captain, then colonel, then lieutenant general. Forever the enemy, he never failed to dazzle. Sometime later, the roundhead leadership broke down in dissent. How could politicians be generals? It caused much resent. They banned the practice by parliamentary decree. In 1644, they made the new model army. Sir Thomas Fairfax did lead it, but he had a grand plan. He selected Oliver Cromwell as his right-hand man. The war went well, eventually Charles was defeated, then next the king's head was chopped off, his stature depleted. The Scots and the Irish did Oliver Cromwell next fight, the battles were so brutal that he is still viewed with spite. Now the monarchy was over, the commonwealth was born, damage had to be repaired, for the republic was torn. He passed an act of oblivion, or just amnesty, but divisions were too strong, how peace has such brevity. Cromwell tried, but could not get his men to agree, just err. 
1653, he was made Lord Protector. Now that he had power to issue reform was his goal, he would have a Puritan church to save his nation's soul. He promoted justice, education, toleration, and he brought about decentralised administration. He fought with the Dutch and then allied with France against Spain. He thought this was the best route to avoid the country pain. There were domestic foes to fight. He faced opposition, a radical parliament, royalist insurrection. His time in power wore him down, his health entered decline. But just before he died, a successor he did assign. You see, his son Richard barely had a coronation. Before Charles II was brought back, this was the restoration. This is the life of such a highly intriguing figure, though I must admit, this is really naught but a teaser. I mean, to write a biography in heptameter is a difficult task for a poetic amateur. Now, if you will, please hold still. I'd like to change my verse to sound less terse, make something more free-flowing, knowing that I'm going somewhere. I want to talk about me for just a second. You need to believe me for just a second. I promise this will only take just a second. I've been podcasting for six years. That's 2,192 days. Almost a third of my life. To think about all the tears, the hardships, and now it is my life. I've talked about Ireland, Alexander, and Hannibal. No, not the cannibal. The Arab Spring, that was my thing. The US of A. It's something that, over the coming years, is here to stay. I really don't know what I'd do without this, and without you, the listener. Sometimes I go off on a tangent, try to be too clever by making a ballad about Oliver Cromwell, the anti-leveller. I thank you for your indulgence of my knowledge divulgence. So I'd like to reveal something I've had to conceal, but of which I won't make a big deal. Every day this week, I'm going to release an episode from the premium feed. You'll have, this week, each day, an episode about the Aztecs. What more do you need? If this bizarre experiment is something you've enjoyed, so much that you'd like to keep me employed, just head over to the website, thehistoryofpodcast.com, click on the link to PayPal, and you'll be my pal. We're on Twitter and Facebook too, whatever, really, that you happen to view. Next week, we'll be back to normal. No rhyming, just talking. So all I have to say is see you next week. Thank you for listening.